My father was a paper plane. My mother was a windswept tree. My little brother's nearly twice my age. He taught me how to meditate. I taught him how to read. I grew up with a book in my bed. I got these dark circles before I turned ten. Heard my mother with her friends worry it was something she did to get such a serious kid. But I've learned how to paint my face, how to earn my keep, how to clean my kill. Some nights I still can't sleep. The past rolls back, I can see us still. You've learned how to hold your own, how to stack your stones, but the history is thick. Children aren't as simple as we'd like to think. Before you came along, I was a lone cub, fell in love with language, tried to tell the grown-ups about the storm clouds, the weather in my head, hadn't heard the word for melancholy yet. Then you came in five years behind, we thought you couldn't talk, turns out you were just shy. Mom said it was serious, Dad said you'd be fine, I thought you were the prophet of 1989. You were so tender, we thought something was wrong with you, so patient, we thought that you were deaf. You were so solemn, so tiny, but so ancient. Mom took you to see doctors, you scared her half to death, and I made you a library of tiny books with spines two inches high you didn't say too much but smile taught me how to quiet down my mind now i've learned how to paint my face how to earn my keep how to clean my kill some nights i still can't sleep the past goes back i can see us still you learned how to hold your own how to stack your stones but the history is thick children learn as simple as we'd like to think so what day? I'm your host, Stella, and this is Bad Girl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, Episode 10. Can you believe it? For July, MMX. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaking. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition. No, boy wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusaders. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gatto, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. Episode 10 is brought to you by Cow L, the last bowl of Beefton. Cow L is a new comic series written by Maury Huffington and Bo Vines and follows the tale of Cow L, an orphan from the planet Beefton who fell to Earth and was raised by Elmer and Elsie Kent. Cow L is medium rare reporter Chuck Kent by day and transforms into Super Bowl when his city's Sirloinopolis is in danger. Follow his adventures, his fights with Angus Luthor, Milkyak, and General Steer, and his tenderized love with Porterhouse Lane every month. Batgirl to Oracle is also brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. 
An example of the prices you may encounter is Detective Comics number 647, the first appearance of Stephanie Brown. In very good condition for $1.10, fine condition for $1.45, very fine condition for $1.75, and near mint for $2.40. All of the above, you can receive 30% off vintage backstock. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. Again, examples of the prices you may encounter are September's Batgirl No. 14 and Birds of Prey No. 5, both for $2.69. So, if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. So it is my great pleasure to introduce the current writer on Batgirl and Smallville, how to get a book for that, and my very first celebrity guest, Mr. Brian Q. Miller. Hello. Welcome. I would, I would debate the celebrity portion, but thanks for having oh, me. Oh, well, I feel like anyone whose name is bigger than mine will basically be a celebrity. So, um, so I mean, to just jump right in, um, I thought because I don't really know too much about your history. Um, what is your history in the business? You know, what got you into writing comics or just writing in general? Um, I haven't really been officially in for, for all that long. Um, in, uh, in undergrad, I did a bunch of short story work. Um, I was a, a television production major and a, an English uh, writing minor. So I did a lot of short story stuff, did a lot of, you know, writing projects for the um, – the TV department where I was um, yeah, back in back in New Orleans at Loyola in uh, in New Orleans, and uh, after that moved out here with some friends and uh, and the lovely lady that's currently my wife, and we um, uh, ended up kind of getting caught up in grad school out here for um, for screenwriting. So uh, during the course of that, worked on some just feature stuff, kind of in the in the safety of you know the school environment to. Um, it's a nice. It's a really good workshop kind of environment to to develop, you know, voice and stuff like that. In. And from that, uh, wound up getting an internship uh, on Smallville, uh, where I still am. Um, and uh, while I was there, uh, got into the Warner Brothers Writer Workshop, um, which is a fantastic uh, writing program. If anybody is looking for a way to try and get in, and also to kind of help hone their craft at the same time, the Warner Workshop's really good. Um, NBC's Writers on the Verge workshop is really good. Um, there, there's a bunch out here, um, and, and there's some people who have been in, been in each of them, and so I would fully endorse any of them, but specifically the, the Warners and the NBC one because I've got I'm, I'm closer to those two. Um, so from there, um, kind of got hired up uh, uh, as an assistant on the show, and then worked my way up to staff writer uh, in season eight on uh, on Smallville. And after that, uh, let's see, in season. Um, was it season eight? Yeah, season eight. We had um, Jeff Johns, who is a fantastic guy. Came on to write our Legion of Superheroes episode. And while he was in, he and I got lunch one day, and I just asked, you know, with this comic stuff, how do you? What's the, what's the best way to get in with the comic stuff? Just out of just curiosity's sake. Like if one day I decided I had the time and wanted to try, what would I do? And he was like, Oh, you need to go, you know, meet the guys. You know, don't. Don't go through your agent. Go, you know, in person, shake hands. You know, it's very, it's very old school in that regard. So I said, okay. And then we didn't talk about it for a while. And then I saw him about a week before the New York Comic Con that year. He's like, are you going to, to New York? I said, well, I should I? He's like, yes, you should. I was like, okay. So I went and I hung out after a, a panel and met uh, Ian Sattler at DC. And, uh, and we chatted for a while. 
And then uh, I got a call a couple weeks later. Um, I had sent over some of my work, and uh, there was a, an opening for a fill-in spot for a few issues on Teen Titans. So I jumped at the chance uh, to get my feet wet there, and then I had an issue of um, Titans by itself after that. And then got a call one day from the Bat Desk asking if I had to take on, uh, on Batgirl. And so then it kind of all the ball started rolling from there. Wow, that that seems yeah pretty quick and you know a very long um, I guess steady rise to everything. It was interesting to hear you say that uh, you had an internship because I know those are really important to several um, career fields and I guess I never realized that there'd be internships um, on TV shows and then you would sort of work your way up. So that was that's pretty amazing. Well, it's 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 really cool. I mean, specifically on the show because they're very much of kind of the apprenticeship school of, of promoting from within and kind of since, since it is a show that I don't think there's any shame in saying it's long in the tooth since we're going into season yeah, 10 it, it, it's not very um, it, it's very uh, much a family and everybody who's who's on there has been there for at least a few years so there's not as much infighting or politics as you might find in other shows so they're very open to and a lot of the writers have kids so everybody's kind of open to mentoring and nurturing and and you know um helping build build up everyone around them as as a better talent so um it was um it was a very good place to wind up with that internship and um you know and it, it's a testament to i think just in general to to it was an unpaid internship so Okay. If you really want to do something, you know, sometimes it sucks that, you know, you put in a lot of work and don't get paid, but sometimes it does pay off. So Yeah. And um, I think that's so. really how you can tell if you love something because if you're not getting money but you love doing it, then I think that's the way to go. So It's yeah, well yeah, and, and people and people notice. I mean, if you're in if you're in a field regardless of what it is and you put in your hours and and they can tell you're really into it, it it, it it'll pay off. So, to anybody who's slaving away, at something where they feel underappreciated, just I'd say keep 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 giving one hundred and ten percent, and you know do what you can, and, and it'll pay off. Sounds good. Now I was I was so nervous, I guess, to get this all started because I'm just you know you're my first uh, guest on, and uh, there's a thunderstorm brewing, so I'm afraid something bad's going to happen. That, <laughs> you know, I had this terrible segue, I think, from the introduction into everything, and I did want to ask you. What uh, the Q in your name stands for? Because I, I think I've never even said your name without the Q in it. And even <laughs> in our emails back and forth, you sometimes signed it Q. So I just wonder if you're not against saying what your middle name is, what it stands for. Um, it uh, 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 legally from birth is uh, is uh, to, not, to not spoil too much of the mystery. It, it, it wasn't a Q, but there were some okay. issues. There were some issues with when I uh, joined the Writers Guild. Um, Every iteration of my my given name was occupied. Oh, okay. And so you know, I was like, can we can we call the guy who's got like all of them registered and just ask if he doesn't want to use one? And they said, no, we, we yeah. until he dies, he's got them. Like, oh, okay. oh man. Um, so, <laughs> so there was uh, so there were some conversations and some careful planning, and then um, and the queue very quickly became like this little exclamation point in the middle of my name, and everybody in the office suddenly was like, oh, hey, Q. So it it. It's it's worked itself out to where uh, as as an adult suddenly I wound up with a nickname, so okay, uh, uh, and I'm and I'm totally fine with it. So it's, yeah, it's I think and, at yeah. this point to not especially like at work to hear my own name, and I just don't really respond to it. But but the cue kind of gets my attention. So, um, so it's I'm glad I'm glad that worked out because if yeah. it hadn't, then I'd be I'd be uh, marred. <laughs> 
with, I think, uh, I think it definitely does. You know, anyone who I talk to either, you know, just says your, your last name or the full name. So I think it definitely does work out for you. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Risk. Um, so Batgirl's first year is pretty much done. I think, you know, the anniversary would really be in August. Um, do you have any thoughts on sort of wrapping up the year? Anything that you might change the pros and the cons of, you know, the first 12 issues? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because it was, especially it was my first time with with the title at length. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's, it's easier to go with the, you know, just like Stephanie, <clears throat> better to leave everything in the past, in the past, and just look towards the future and making sure everything stays good and gets better and better. Um, so, uh, I mean, there were a lot of, I suppose I could have spent some more time working on new rogues and stuff for Stephanie in the first year, but then there was also the issue of just getting her accepted and out in Gotham and kind of just ticking off that laundry list of, okay, so how did Batman and Robin feel about her? Okay. How does Barbara feel about her? Okay. How does the commissioner feel about her? Okay. Um, so, so, I mean, I, in retrospect, I maybe would have given her, uh, more villains than just diesel and Blipmaster. Um, but, um, but I think it was better for her character to kind of, and for her to get on her, her own feet to spend that time, working my way through the bat family with her. So, um, so, so a half answer on that. So I'd, I'd okay. be tempted to say swap out some of that for new villains, but I think as a, as a person, she's, she's better for the year that she had. Yeah. And I certainly agree with you that, uh, there was a need to sort of get, uh, through everyone in the bat family and figure out how she fits in. So I do applaud you for doing that. So another, I guess, big part of this first 12 issue run was your artist um lee garbett and i think a lot of us can probably attest that uh from now on because he's about to leave soon i believe um you know we'll probably only think of stephanie uh in the beginning you know how he drew her and really when i think of stephanie i think of his pencils and everything so could you i guess talk about the process how you got in touch with him because i know he lives in the uk uh it's yeah i mean uh, in a day-to-day working kind of way it was it was challenging because literally he's waking up as i'm going to bed yeah um so so there would be lots of sending you know when when i get up for the day and i I go to get to work and check my emails and see some pages and stuff sending lee emails back and then because that's when it was bedtime for him then me not really getting you know emails back until you know first thing the next morning when i woke up but they came right after i went to bed so it was kind of getting used to that rhythm a little bit, um, but Lee was—he was already in place uh, when he came onto the project. Um, just like Stephanie was, Stephanie was already in place when he came okay. onto the project. And um, you know, we had lots of emails back and forth uh, through uh, uh, the wonderful Michael Sigline, who's who's uh, who was our editor. He's no longer with DC. Um, we've got Sean Ryan now, who's our new editor, who's who's a great guy. Um, looking forward to getting the new issues out uh, with Sean and working with him on year two. Um, but yeah, so there were some pre-existing sketches of a possible Batgirl costume by, uh, by another artist. And so there were some nuggets from that, uh, that we kind of talked about and worked from. And, and Lee and I had some discussions about kind of bringing in shades of the Yvonne Craig, uh, Batman TV show, purple and yellow. And it just was kind of kismet that Steph's kind of trademark spoiler color was already purple. Um, so finding a way to bring that in, but to keep it a little stealthy, a little batty, a little techy. Um, we had some conversations about how the costumes were approached over in Ultimates, just kind of a little more 
uh, tactile, realistic, you know, padding, stitch work, tech approach. Um, and depending on the issue and the detail and, you know, the fill-in artist, there have been varying degrees of that. But um, but in the original design, that one that, that Lee posted um, way back when that didn't have uh, boots, that just kind of faded away at the knees, that was really the one that, that locked on that we um, – that we latched on to and I think it's I think it's worked out. Yeah. Um do you think he's gonna return it all after is he gonna take a little break or do you know his plans or anything? Um I have no idea. I have okay. no idea. Okay. Um and, and it's all I mean it's uh, there's there's nothing unamical about it. It's just, just how it how it's working right now. Yeah. And I know uh, that artists they sometimes need breaks from a particular character. I think that happens a lot so um, but it's you know it's uh, I've been extremely lucky to to have Lee on the title for for as long as I have and um, being able to have him uh, do the Batgirl Supergirl issue for uh, for September with the pages that are coming in is it's great it's great so and it's a nice it's a nice art wise pencils wise it's a nice little uh, love letter to to the work he's done with with Steph over the course of the past year so the book the book would not be what it is without without Lee and all the great guys we've had on Inks Trevor and Walden and and uh and Perry who's helped with some fill-ins and Trevor even at one point helped with some fill-ins so it's um it's it's been a really good crew so I mean I'm excited to get started on year two yeah and see what that brings but um but with year one I have no reservations about about my art team for year one so I guess you've already um, sort of said that everything was already in place. Did you uh, play any part in, you know, Stephanie's succession as Batgirl? Or was just sort of already, you know, you were told this is what you need to do? Um, really, the only the only pieces in place when I came in were um, Stephanie's Batgirl. Uh, they wanted Barbara in the book, um, and they wanted uh, Wendy in play. Um, okay. So that was really, uh, those were kind of the, the widgets to plug into my uh, my first pitch, and I put together my pitch, and there were some things in there that they liked, and there were some things in there that they didn't. Um, but apparently, they liked more than they didn't. So, uh, so I got to play in the sandbox. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the biggest change was I in my pitch, Stephanie was still in high school, so the biggest thing was they're like, no, 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 let's put her at first year of college. I'm like, oh, okay. So it 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 changed the flow of the year a little bit, but. Um, but, but by and large, it didn't really change that much. But the the, the Barbara, Stephanie, them kind of helping each other out of their respective funks um, seemed to be what they responded to the most. So I think, yeah, and I think it really works. I especially like how you've sort of given her this uh, dual life. You have the, the bat life and then you have the, uh, the college life at the same time. So. so since Stephanie, I guess this is her first time in the, uh, the cow of Batgirl, at least, uh, was it important? You know, you've already touched upon this costume but was it important for you to create this really specific identity for her to separate her from all the other Batgirls that have come along you know either in her costume or even in the way she attacks a situation because to me she's sort of a, a leaps first uh, then consider later kind of person where oh absolutely yeah other people you know Barbara would probably really think about it and then Cassandra's just you know all all fists basically so What's your view on that? Just creating this her very own specific identity for it. Well, I mean, it 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 helps uh, just in in uh, with with who with who Steph had been established to be ahead of time. Just that she she already kind of had that devil may care, punch first, ask questions later attitude that usually wound up getting her in loads and loads and loads of trouble with tons of collateral damage. Um, 
so so that already kind of helped make her a stark contrast to Cassandra, um, who was a weapon um, and was awesome, but was very much not not a bright, cheery um, kind of character um, who had a very tormented, screwed up past. Um, so, I mean, that in mind, it was trying to play up as much of that aspect of Stephanie as we could, that she's she's going to go out there and she's going to, you know, call it like it is and she's going to get into trouble. And kind of the, the addition for bringing her back as Batgirl was she can do all of those things, but she's got to grow up. And she has to realize that maybe <clears throat> how she's been behaving in the past hasn't been the best way to approach her life. So that, that's kind of why I'm glad uh, we did the the addition that she was in college because it's a very natural like I'm on my own now. What do I do? Kind of environment that first that first semester of college. So it's it's when you start asking questions about yourself. It's when you start realizing things about yourself and the people around you. So the two kind of went hand in hand. So and and attitude wise too. If you look at early Babs, uh, Batgirl stuff, she they're not wholly dissimilar. She and she and Stephanie. Stephanie, I think, was just way more reckless than Babs used to be. But yeah. but but it was striving for kind of rebooting the levity of of the title and the heroine. So to not to not mimic Babs, but to kind of evoke that that sense of fun that came with Barbara as Batgirl. And I think the first indication that you really knew this was a different Batgirl, especially from Cassandra, is that uh, the first thing I think that Stephanie does is sort of rip off that bottom piece of the the Cassandra uh, Batgirl costume. Oh, so it sort of gives her, yeah, it definitely gives her a personality because Cassandra, I think it's just sort of this like inhuman uh, figure when she has everything covered up. So that was sort of the first indication, I think, that this is going to be wholly different. So, Well, and a piece of that too, and, and you and I talked um, before we came on about, you know, uh, other interviews and information and stuff, but it's 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 worth bringing back up. I think there um, there was a question I got a while back about about just that the mask and Cassandra and like with with Stephanie in particular. I think having her in the costume, having her face partially exposed, makes her a little more relatable and a little more accessible because she's not <clears throat> just this faceless yeah. reaper like ghost. Um, you know, kicking ass and taking names. So, um, not not to say that's that's not a detriment to Cassandra. That was integral to who Cassandra was. But I don't think you could have Stephanie be Stephanie and not get to see the look on her face when she either does well or when she screws up. Yeah, I definitely agree. That's some of the uh, and you even commented on your latest CBR review that the reason why you really loved some of the pencils coming from Garbit uh, was his his face emotions, and I think that really does come through. Oh no! His expressions, <clears throat> excuse me, his, his expressions are fantastic. His yeah. face, his his pencils are are really good, but his face work is, uh, for me, makes it makes it just as fun to to read as it is to write. Well, you kind of touched upon a, a couple, especially you know Wendy Harris, uh, the supporting cast at Batgirl. You know, I think in any comic, the minor characters um, are really integral, uh, and you've really been building them up slowly. They've, uh, or I guess we as readers have really been getting to know each character one at a time, rather than you throwing everyone on us at once, which would be too overwhelming. So I applaud you for that. Um, I guess can you talk to us a little bit? You know, maybe Nick Gage and Wendy Harris, just I guess about them in general. Um, just about them independently or with relation to staff? Or? Yeah, I mean, you could do either way, just, you know, how you see them or, you know, how you were writing them. Um, Nick, um, much like 
everyone in, in the book to some extent is trying to be a new person and leave behind who they were. Um, moving into this next year, there'll be a few more hints, hopefully, if I can get there right, leading up to a big reveal as to why Nick came to Gotham because um, he used to be in Coast City. So um, there'll be little bits and pieces um, about that journey, um, but he hopefully will um, will experience some, some change and some revelation, maybe some closure um, with his story uh, over the course of the next year. Um, and he's a lot of fun, too, because he's kind of but not kind of a romantic triangle point between Barbara and Steph. So um, it's a lot of fun to play. Uh, like we had a scene at the at the end of 12 where he was coming to see Barbara, but then he had had that cross with Stephanie where she tried to flirt with him and it went oh, right. terribly yes. um, in, God, what was it, 10, I think? Um, so just fun things like that where it, and it'll become, the, the, our leads will become a little more aware of their connection through and to Nick as the year goes. Um, and it hopefully will have some, some sweet, but also some, some, some wacky consequences. So. Would you say that Nick is going to be um, sort of the commissioner Gordon to Batman in, in that sort of respect? Um, yeah, she's definitely his, uh, he's definitely her liaison to Gotham PD. So, okay. um, and I think there'll be, since we're going to have, Probably, I don't want to say zero interaction with the Bat family in year two, but since it will be greatly diminished so we can beef up her rogues and some outside DC heroes and stuff, she'll have, she'll definitely have more um, page time with, with Nick as she, as she, as she goes. And she's, uh, the goal too this year is to help Stephanie start to develop her, um, her detective skills. So, um, so she'll be working on that too. So Nick is a natural kind of uh, partner in that regard. And then uh, Wendy Harris. Um, Wendy um, will uh, definitely get more page time now, especially that she's officially part of uh, Team Batgirl as uh, as proxy, so she can she can help step with stuff when uh, when Barbara's not around. Um, which I mean, given how much is going on over in Birds of Prey, um, I don't think it's that inorganic for Barbara to just not be around from time to time. Right. Um, especially if, uh, if you've read the last birds of prey. So, um, where Barbara definitely would not be present for a Batgirl issue or two. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but Wendy, um, Wendy and Steph, uh, will have to work out kind of what their working dynamic is because there was, because of the similarities between young Barbara and Stephanie, as soon as they got over their grumpiness in the first few issues, they got along really well, really fast and had, a, and have a very good rapport. Um, and I think there's going to be some, some baby steps and some fumbling in, in Steph and Wendy trying to find their own version of that. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Babs having her time divided now from Stephanie's world with, with the greater DCU, um, I think Stephanie will definitely notice that Babs isn't around as much and, um, she may not be thrilled about that. Oh no. Um, yeah, I will say I wasn't too fond of Wendy Harris in the beginning. She's just so self-loathing. But I think the flood arc just sort of uh, turned her around 180 degrees for me, and now I'm sort of really intrigued. And I think that there is a lot of potential for chemistry between the two, especially since they both have really whacked-out fathers. So Yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, and Wendy will um, – the, the more we see of Wendy, um, I think it will become apparent that she is – very much not just Oracle Jr. 
So even though even though they're both in their in their stylish wheelchairs, she's um, <laughs> she's not a carbon copy of Oracle. So and that will both be for for the betterment of of Stephanie's working relationship with her, and sometimes it'll get in the way. Well, I do wonder about. Because I think every good comic uh, hero needs their own special, I don't know, love interest. Are there any plans for any romantic entanglements for Stephanie? Because I think, you know, you sort of uh, threw a red herring on us. I thought all along that was going to be this Francisco character, and then uh, he turns out to be gay. So I was sort of disappointed. But are there any plans for any romance in Stephanie's life? Um, Francisco's not going anywhere, so he's not gone as a character. There just okay. weren't there weren't any any stories left yeah. uh, to tell for him in that first year because it was so jam packed. But he'll definitely still be around because um, she's also Steph's going to have a larger campus component in the book um, in year two. Um, her her double life is is going to start getting more complicated. Um, but uh, romantic interest wise, um, I would say she'll. Uh, She'll have a few close encounters, um, some that she will be thrilled about and some that she will not um, over the course of the next year. So it's not um, – I'm especially looking forward to, and I can't spoil who it is, okay. her, her, her Valentine's Day adventure. Okay, um, that sounds so, good. So um, I, I can say it's not Tim. Okay. So, um, but it all if, – if, uh, if I can pull it off right, it will it'll be a lot of fun. Well, I look forward to that. Um, the final sort of, uh, funny one, um, the waffles, uh, I, I think that they're probably one of the, the best, you know, supporting characters. I think maybe the first four issues or so, there are all these waffles. Um, I don't know. Was that, see, I don't know too much about Stephanie, you know, her past and everything. Was that just something you brought into it or did you notice that, uh, uh there were waffles in her other publishing history? Uh, if there were waffles in her past, then I was blissfully ignorant to them okay. as I was going through. Um, I I love waffles. Okay. So um, figured I could at least infuse a little bit of my daily life into Stephanie's. Um, seeing as how I don't dress as a vigilante and run around at night, she could at least enjoy waffles like I do. Um, but uh, you'll notice, too, as, as the year goes, she only shares waffles with specific people. So who she – she won't break bread with just anybody. Okay. Um, so it's, you know, she ate waffles with Crystal, she ate waffles with Barbara, and she ate waffles with Damien. So um, it's just people, whether she's aware of it or not, that she that she feels kind of a special kinship with are people that, uh, that she'll eat the waffles with. Yeah, I'm rather surprised about Damien, though, because that's just such a rough relationship that those two have. It is, but it's so much fun. Yeah, it's I'm so... sure it is to write that, I'm sure. Um, and that's, and that's the, I mean, that's the kind of the, the blessing and the curse of of Damien too is that the, the, there's a temptation to be like God oh you know so much fun when he was there at five <laughs> six and seven you should have him all the time but the last thing I want to do is make him a scrappy do yeah so you know it's it's Damien and small doses I think is probably more effective for the book than Damien all the time so and she'll and she'll definitely have I'm trying to work in a team-up story for she and Damien for the next year. Um, but he'll definitely be around. So I'm trying to get him in wherever I can. I just don't want to overdo him. Okay. To go from, I guess, the, the allies of her uh, supporting cast to the villains, uh, you sort of started off with big villains. Um, you had Scarecrow in the beginning, Roxy Rocket. You had Manbat and... Um, in the flood, and then there's sort of a tease ahead to Clayface. Uh, was there a reason why you're bringing big villains in? Uh, was it to get Stephanie to have a, a foothold in the DCU or identify her more with the Bat family? 
Um, yes to all of those things. Okay. Um, especially at the beginning, there was we were trying to figure out the the original pitch for the for the first three um, was was her versus her own rogue, who who had an effect that was similar to what we ended up doing with Scarecrow in the first bunch, and then um, and I think rightly so, the desire was felt um, from editorial to put kind of a bigger name recognition villain in there for her to have a win over to help give her a stronger footing coming out of three into four so that it's not just her beating someone no one's ever met it's her beating x so and, and we decided it would be scarecrow so having that victory and it, and it worked really really well into her self-doubt issues and you know kind of barbara's issues at the top and and her facing down her her demons um at the very top of the book so that we could unburden both of them a little bit to start having fun by the time we got to four. So I think Scarecrow worked out for the best in that regard. But with um, Roxy Rocket, that was just a personal preference because um, I grew up on the animated series. Yeah. So it very much... Um, and and there'll, be, there'll be someone else appearing from the animated series in year two, um, in a way, appearing uh, from the animated series. And he'll, uh, he'll be a thorn in Stephanie's side um, for, okay. for, for most of year two. Um, I don't, I don't want to go so far as to say like a frenemy or a nemesis, but <sighs> it's, it'll be a very complicated relationship between the two of them. Um, uh, but yeah, so we had Roxy, um, God, who else and then, and then Clayface who currently is, is Basil Carlo and not, um, and not Matt Hagen. So then I grew up on the Matt Hagen Clayface. So there was a little bit of a shift in gear. So I'm like, yeah, let's do a Clayface story. All right. <gasps> like it has to be Basil Carlo. Like, oh, I I don't know who that is. <laughs> so, so I did my research and so it's, and, and it lines up perfectly too, because there's the, the Clayface one shot that just came out for Joker's Asylum. So it's, oh, okay. it's the same, it's the same Clayface from that. It's the same Basil Carla. And I guess you've touched upon this already, um, but her rogue scour, are you sort of building that up? Are there um, a great amount of plans for her in year two, or are you just going to sort of be steady? Um, she, um, will in very short order wind up with a rogues gallery on her doorstep um and they will um they're they're integral to her story for for the year for year two so especially building up to the to the year two finale so um hopefully they come across as being very natural to the story i'm trying um but it's uh, it's at least God, was it five of them? I think she'll have five new villains okay. um, that, are, that are just hers um, this year. So, and, and specifically, just she is dealing with. So, yeah, you could kind of tell from issue twelve that Johnny Yo is probably going to be something that's going to stay there for a little bit. Uh, just maybe. Okay, just maybe. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, another, and someone actually asked this question as well, um, is Stephanie going to have an arch nemesis, sort of like, you know, Batman had Joker and Oracle has or had calculator? Um, she she definitely will um, if um, if I get to execute my long-term plans as, uh, as well as I'd like to, if I'm, if I'm lucky enough to, A, still be on the book for that long, and B, for the book to still be around for that long. Um then absolutely yes she will it just um it's more about the broader rogues this year but i wouldn't be surprised if under her nose suddenly there was an arch nemesis by the time should we get to a year three that um, that year three rolled around okay well i guess her first interaction in another book was uh the crossover between background number eight and red robin 10 i think 
Do you think it's important that she interacts with other heroes and is sort of not in her own little world? Um, absolutely. Um, and um, whenever that's possible, I mean, you know, every, everyone has their own books and their own plans, and so we're all kind of off in our own corners building our arcs for the year. So it's not always the easiest to, uh, to pull those things off. But, I mean, uh, Chris Yost, who I think did a fantastic job on on Red Robin, um, especially with the uh, with the collision arc that stuff got to be a part of. Um, you know, we talked about the event at the beginning, and it was a very kind of natural time to kind of get that, hey, you're back in Gotham, hey, I'm Batgirl now, kind of cross between Tim and Steph out of the way so that they could both be freed up to go about their business in their respective books. Um, so, I mean, it was cool. It was really cool working with them. We worked on... Um, he, he kind of had the collision, the broad beats of the plot laid out, but we worked together on how Steph and Tim would factor into each other's lives and what the takeaway would be for both of them at the end of the day. That, you know, I love you, but this is not something I can do right now. I need to get my own stuff in order. So, um, you know, which, which frees stuff up to have her romantic misadventures yeah. with whomever she winds up having them with in the course of year two. So. That sounds good. And for Tim to be accidentally engaged, not engaged to Tam Fox. So, um, over in his book. So, um, it's, um, it's a lot of fun. If there were one hero that you would like to see in your book, who would it be? Um, well, the first one on that list was Supergirl and she's definitely locked in. Yeah. That's that's being drawn. Um, fantastic cover by Art Germ. Um, for that issue, for the September issue, um, not that his other ones weren't great. Right. But. Oh yeah, they're in front of the the movie theater, and you sort uh, of see. Yeah. yeah, very good, very good. With all the Draculas, um, and the issue is it's not in 3D, unfortunately. So oh, it's, yeah, I know, bad. I know, right? <laughs> um, but it's um, it, it doesn't hurt it or help it. So um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, and no, then definitely um, the my my number two choice would be who's showing up for Valentine's Day. Okay. And then um, she'll have another uh, probably two-parter towards next summer with um, with another uh, DCU guest star. So if, if they show up in the book, those are the ones that I definitely would like to bring into the book. Wow, you really had me excited about this Valentine's Day. Show. I just don't know <laughs> what to expect. Um, it's, it'll come out. People will go, what? But I'm really excited about it. Okay. Well, it sounds, it sounds very exciting, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's probably only as exciting for me because it's just it's a character that I love. Everyone will probably feel the same way. So, um, Well, this is obviously the, the Barbara Gordon podcast. So, you know, I can't really go on without um, touching upon Barbara Gordon as a character. Well, you've already, I guess, sort of gone through some of the points, you know, that she will continue as Oracle, but probably not as much. Um, is she going to be much of a mentor to Wendy or is she just going to sort of take the training wheels off Wendy and see how she does on her own? Um, I would say that, hmm, how to answer this without giving too much away. Um, Barbara definitely had a very good experience with Steph and bringing Steph in. And that really worked out. Um, kind of like, you know, it's your, your first kid, you know, you had your first kid, the first kid didn't cry when they were little, very easy parenting, you know, (laughs) as much as they screwed up, you couldn't help but love them for it. Um, second kid, uh, second protege may, um, may have a little more uh, of a bumpy road than Babs was expecting. And so given that everything went as well as it did with Steph, she may not be as, 
aware that things are as bumpy as they are until some some severe bumps happen. So um, she'll definitely be around. She'll still be mentoring both girls. Uh, But she maybe should pay a little more attention to Wendy. And, well, I'm a a Dick and Babs uh, shipper, as, you know, some of my friends are as well. Um, Oh, sure. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Are, does that mean you're you're a shipper as well? You enjoy oh, absolutely. That? Okay. I mean, just just like I mean, I think um, there was there was an article I read got at one point six months ago something um, where um, a very kind uh, internet person was likening uh, Steph and Tim to the new the new iconic couple a la a la Dick and Babs. Okay. Um, and I mean, I don't I don't know what it is about Dick and Babs, but there's just something about them that they're tragic they're meant to be but you know dick's made mistakes barbara's made mistakes and they both got a lot of responsibility and different lives getting in the way so absolutely i'd love for them to get together one day but i don't i don't know that that will be better than them not being together and knowing they should be together so there's there's some really delightful angst wrapped up in all of that so yeah i think you just rose to like my top 10 favorite people list just for saying that you're a, a dick and bab shipper oh absolutely absolutely and that's you know that's not to say i don't i don't love the uh you know, in my own book the the nick and bab stuff but yeah, but yeah i was just gonna ask about that if you were gonna there's, try there's to... something iconic you know and kind of undeniable about dick and babs so do you think you're one... gonna try to push forward the the nick gage and uh barbara gordon thing or um there will be yeah, to a, to an extent, to an extent, okay. I think. I mean, because it's 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 hard because they're definitely Babs is still going to be a part of Batgirl, but she's not going to be around as much, right? Um, just so that you know, I'm not stepping on Gail's toes any with what she wants to do, and you know, since since Babs is taking on kind of a broader role in the DCU, so, um, and I mean, just to be honest, having written, God, which which issue is it? Um, Having all three women in play in the book at the same time, just from a writing standpoint, is a little hard. Um, <clears throat> just because there are because because Wendy and Babs, though their their personalities are different, they do kind of serve a similar function in the book. So it's it's trying when when all three are in the book at the same time, it's trying to find ways to have everyone stay active and everyone kind of get a win and find clues and and not have it happen in the exact same way. And so with, with Steph, it's a little easier because she's out there as, as the Batgirl with her sticks, hitting people and exploding stuff. And then with, with Wendy and Babs, they're both kind of computer-based. So, um, so it's, sometimes it's better to have them separate where you have a Babs issue, where you have a Wendy issue. Um, right. But, but they, they'll all be on deck for certain issues. It's just, it, it, is a, it is a challenge writing-wise to, to make that not feel like you're just having oh well this should have just been a Barbara scene or oh this should have just been a Wendy scene so um, so that's the challenge so I don't I don't mind Babs having kind of a diminished presence in the book just for for practical reasons okay um, another character that well we saw her in issue one and I'm sorry I have to mention her or else there will, there are people out there who might kill me oh here it comes you were talking about a thunderstorm weren't you oh he, what yeah, yeah this is basically it Cassandra Kane. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I do have to bring it up. Um, were you satisfied with her her final scene? How it all turned out? Um, I, I I would say because I because I wrote it. Yes, um, it it was it was a sticky it was a sticky wicket um, with Cassandra because you definitely uh, there were a lot of things happening at once. Um, didn't want to devote too much page time to 
Cassandra in a book that was launching Stephanie. Um, at the same time, had to get her out of there, and there were plans out in the ether for Cassandra that were in flux, um, that were not going to be a part of my book. Um, so I had to be vague about how and why she was leaving and where she was going, and also had to do it as quickly as possible. So, um, so satisfied in the regard that I hit both of those checkboxes with it being vague and brief. Um, but uh, certainly um, would have liked to spend a little more time uh, getting into her headspace. But it, it definitely, I think, would have gotten in the way of getting, getting Steph and her new place in life established if, if there had been much more time with, with Cassandra at, at the Open. Well, I'm just glad that, you know, you sort of defended yourself to all those naysayers anyways because I think they blamed you for, you know, what happened. But really, you came on the book and it was already Stephanie and then they already had plans for Cassandra. So really, it was Big Brother who they should blame and not you. So, Well, right. And I mean, I, I, would, I, would, never, I would never put the wonderful people at D.C. who have given me great opportunities <laughs> in the Big Brother category. Um, but but it, just, it was one of those things where, where kind of that ship had already had already sailed by the time I showed up. So, you know, my, my take on her leaving, you know, which some people loved and got and some people hated, um, was just that there was this moment before Bruce disappeared at the end of, um, God, I think it was at the end of Cassandra's mini, I think, um, when Bruce said he was going to adopt her and then Bruce disappeared and died. So when you've got someone who's got that many daddy issues, given what she went through with her father, um, and then the guy that you've been looking up to, that you've been fighting for, is going to welcome you into his family, and then suddenly the bottom drops out and he's gone. How do, how do you handle that? How do you cope with that? So, so her kind of giving up the bat symbol um, was her in in turmoil over what what happened with Bruce disappearing. Would you ever try to bring her on if she does, you know, resurface in the DCU? Would you want her to be in the book? Um, I mean, for a little bit, or do you think that would just be too much overshadowing? Um, well, it depends. I mean, if I've got if I've got a good story for her, um, just like just like with Barbara, now that now that she's you know kind of heavy heavy in another book too. Like, I never would want to use either of them as a prop. So, if there's a really good story I can tell, specifically with Cassandra, then I'll definitely be the first in line to say, "Hey, let me bring Cassandra back." Um, having having worked out just my year two naturally there's there's nowhere for her to fit in that year too so um you know if i had to i could certainly find a way but um but there's not really a story i'm dying to tell with her just yet so when there is i'll find a way but as of right now uh, i really don't have one okay see that wasn't so bad it was like ripping a band-aid off no no it was like oh my god (laughs) so relieved (laughs) the burden off your shoulders um, so, I mean, in the broadest of terms, because you sort of danced around it, I think, what can we expect for Batgirl and the cast in her year or two? Um, what can we expect? What can we expect? Um, angst, a ton of angst. Um, Stephanie's kind of biggest challenge in year two is now that she's kind of out as Batgirl. Um, it's, it's juggling the two lives. Um, it's juggling her campus life and her... Um, and her hero life, and then to an extent, I mean, someone who kind of dropped out during the course of year one was her mom. So trying to, she's she's in a good place with her mom, but um, there may be some twists and turns with her mom in year two too. So it's it's 
it's that second semester of college where you've got the hang of college life and you're getting into it and you've got new classes and your priorities are starting to shift and you're being pulled in a bunch of different directions and trying to desperately maintain who you are, who you want to be when when life keeps throwing your curveballs from all sides. So that's that's kind of what Steph's going to be going through this year. Um, and, you know, finding a new friend in Wendy and getting that established and, and those two kind of starting their journey together and wondering what's going on with Nick and what Nick's mystery is and these new rogues who just won't leave her the hell alone. <laughs> um, what else? What else is going on for you guys? Um, probably less, uh, less Leslie. Um, for, for no reason except that if, if we naturally need her at some point, but since Wendy's kind of in the fold now, she'll be spending a little less time over at the Tompkins Clinic. Um, though I should, I guess, at some point figure out where Wendy's living. I think I've really addressed that. Maybe Wendy needs an apartment. Um, uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else for year two? Um, and, you know, kind of like year one being Steph... Uh, you know, out and proud with the folks of Gotham. It's um, it, it's her having found her place um, amongst the folks of Gotham, kind of getting established with that with that wider DCU, which is why I'm purposely trying to bring in a handful of outside of Gotham heroes to, to cross paths with her. So your Supergirl, and then and then the other folks who are going to come. So she's got allies elsewhere. So um, so that kind of opens her up to have kind of natural adventures with them moving forward too. Well, it sounds good. I'm I'm very excited that the book is continuing on. I know there's always that threat of, you know, cancellation. So, I'm always glad to see a strong character and strong writing and strong art, you know, just continue. And I know a lot of the people who listen to this are great fans of yours. So, well, and and uh, you know, everybody who <clears throat> who stuck around and has Kept the sales numbers reasonably steady. Um, I am I am eternally grateful to you guys. Um, I, don't, I don't think the book would. I mean, practically, the book wouldn't exist if it didn't have the support it did. So I really am uh, appreciative of everyone who who's joined it, who's who's decided, oh hey, it's not that bad after all. And you know, to everyone who said it was was awesome from the get go. So uh, everybody's awesome. Well, thank you. Um, and you know, let's briefly talk about you. What what are you working on? I know you're you can't talk about anything that rhymes with Mallville, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, are there any other plans? Are you going to pick up another book or? Just- um, I've got the um, in in October. I was lucky enough to land one of the um, the Bruce Wayne returns crossover issues. So um, which I got to see part of the. Uh, the, the the cover for the other day for the for the event cover so that was a lot of fun to see that Shane Davis is doing the artwork on on that cover so it's really awesome and uh, Perry Perez who did the fill-ins for uh, who helped Lee with some of the art in the flood arc um, and he's drawing the entirety of the Clayface issue next month he'll be drawing um, the back row issue for the for the Bruce Wayne event so I'm really excited to work with him again um, so we've got that I've got a little. Uh, Vignette in the uh, in the DC Halloween special uh, when it comes out um, with a character that is very near and dear to my heart, so I'm very excited about that. Um, and some other stuff that's uh, that's ripe and ready to to be other books. I just haven't quite found the right home for them yet. So okay, y'all have to go and just add all the things you just mentioned on my pull list to get. Okay, so let's just go into listener questions. Sure. 
And okay. then if, if you want, like, I don't mind if you want to, like, at another time, we can, we can, we can chat back up if you want to talk about 12. I don't, I don't mind. Okay. Well, we, we talked to I mean, yeah, we were talking about it here and there, so I think it'll be okay. Unless there was something very specific you wanted to talk about. No, so. no, no. Unless, okay. unless there's something very specific you wanted to talk about. No, I think the only, well, I just thought it was, uh, it was darker, I think, than, than, um we had been used to up to there and i just wondered if you were going to go into that darker tone from in year two um not not okay not really no it okay. was it was just it was kind of natural to the genre of the story that i was telling and then especially once you got into the bad guy's brain then it was just no right. turning back so yeah. um there was one panel that was a little more grim than i had intended <laughs> but it um it you know i think it, it serviced it serviced the story but definitely there's that one, the one suicide panel, which I would have, I would have liked to have pulled back on, but timing didn't work out on that. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, we, um, I think like seven people, maybe seven people wrote in with, uh, different questions. Um, so first off, Zam Drist, he says, firstly, congratulations still on landing the interview with Brian Q. Miller. How awesome. Okay, so number one, with Babs' attention on the birds and with the role of Wendy Harris seemingly more prominent, do you see Wendy supplanting Babs' absence as Stephanie's coordinator slash partner? And if so, how do you plan on bringing readers along and getting their buy-in on this? Um, thank you for your question, Zambrist. Um, definitely, hmm... Um, kind of like we talked about earlier, there'll be there'll be issues where you've got both girls in play. We've got Wendy and Babs both helping staff, and some issues where there's just Babs, and some issues where there's just Wendy. Um, but but given how they function in Steph's life, I don't think it'll seem odd for one to be gone when the other is present. Um, so it it seems natural to the story. So hopefully the buy-in is just that everyone's got busy lives, so whoever can help and pitch in when they can is. Um, but given how close Babs and Steph have gotten. Um, I would not be surprised if Stephanie started to notice how much Babs was away. Okay. JD74, um, he asks, uh, he remembers an incident between Stephanie as Robin and Connor Kent, which was pretty cool. Will we ever see Stephanie as Batgirl interact with Connor Kent or the other Titans? Um, definitely no interaction um, on deck with Superboy. Okay. Uh, number two, we have already seen a crossover with Batgirl and Robin, or Red Robin, and I am curious to know if there are any plans to cross over Batgirl and Birds of Prey, as I would very much like to see Stephanie interact with Oracle's team. Um, there are no plans for that specifically. Gail and I do talk from time to time, um, but the the Birds plate is very, very full, um, arcing-wise, for the course of the next year, and then so is Stephanie's. So if there were a spot where we could squeeze one in, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't be against giving that a shot, but um, but there's no plan in the immediate future for that to happen. Okay. And his final question, how would you describe the character of Stephanie Brown to someone who isn't familiar with the character? Um, a work in progress. Okay. <laughs> um, that is one of the things I really like about Stephanie is, um, you know, she's not afraid to make mistakes. And I think that her ability to make mistakes really makes her a more relatable character. So that's something I always uh, pick out when I'm reading and reviewing your issues. Well, well, thank you. She's, she's a, she's a, you know, she's human above all else yeah, and she's, definitely. and she's young. So uh, she's trying to find herself and figure out how she's going to approach life. So it, it lends itself to her messing up a lot, but it also lends herself to being able to overcome that um, just as much because she is a terribly self-aware young lady. So 
Okay, next up we have, hopefully it's Sergio. Um, are the voices for Stephanie and Barbara based on people you know? The dialogue throughout the book is one of the best in comics. Oh, thank, thank you very much, uh, Sergio. Um, but no, it's not, it's not based on anyone that I, that I personally know. It's just, I mean, with Steph, it's trying to kind of evolve and take her into a more adult, self-aware place from what, from what had already been pre-established, uh, especially with, with Chuck Dixon. Um, and then with Babs, um, especially now that we're back out of Grumpy Babs, um, off of the cure, it's just trying to kind of keep Babs in line with, with how Babs is appearing everywhere else. From Red Panda, are there any plans for Clue Master to appear in the book? Um, I'd say never say never, but just like with our little Connor Kent, I wouldn't look forward anytime soon. Okay. Rogue Forever 7, are there any plans for villains such as the Penguin or Two-Face or any other major Bat villains as villains for Stephanie? Um, Clayface next month, um, and then after that, she's going to be dealing with uh, her own problems. So okay. there'll, be, there'll be people who seem like small villains who become very big villains in her life, but I think she's done with Batman's rogues for the time being. Okay. Yeah, and I think it's good to sort of separate um, herself and... You know, just like her costume, give her an individual identity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, From Zayas, firstly, congratulations, Stella. Quite a coup. Um, What particular reading or research did you or do you undertake as preparation for writing Batgirl? Um, I had already um, followed a lot of just tangentially Steph's adventures through the Robin book. Um, So definitely I revisited that a little bit, Um, you know, for better or worse. Revisited War Games. Um, since that is one of Steph's biggest sins and led to her demise, her quotation mark demise. Um, and then her return from the quotation mark dead, um, in the, um, in the, the Robin spoiler special, um, when she came back from Africa and her little misadventure, not misadventure, but when she was in Africa fighting drug lords with a goat skull on her head. Um, and God, what else? Oh, and, and naturally her, her brief stint as, as Robin under Batman was, was also very important to read. Okay. Number two, how far in advance do you typically have the Batgirl storyline planned out? Um, I, I try for a, for a full year just so I know kind of where the ship is going to sail and make little course, course adjustments as I go. So I've got it planned out at least semi-loosely or semi-concretely or whatever the right term is for that. <laughs> Um, through probably issue twenty seven or twenty eight. So so her next her next year is okay. is at least planned out for, for me. Sounds good. Uh, he would also like to pass on his thanks to you for his uh, for your part in what has quickly become his favorite monthly comic book read. Oh, thank you for reading something every month. And yep. support your local LCS. So. And finally from the Orange Bat. Uh, Batgirl is the most witty and entertaining book in the Bat universe right now. Can you explain how you come up with some of these funny one-liners and dialogues, such as the Waffles and the current hate-hate Robin-Batgirl relationship? Um, the Waffles, like like we talked about earlier, are just something right. I happen to like eating. <laughs> um, so that's where those come from. Um, and then Robin and Batgirl, it um, was kind of kismet um, just getting into Damien's head when Damien came into the book because he's someone who is in a way inferior to Stephanie with a major superiority complex. And then Stephanie is someone who has an inferiority complex. So kind of throwing the two of them together and you add to the fact that Damien's kind of a sociopathic 10 year old with swords. Um, it's, it's not going to not be fun when those two interact. So, um, 
I'm looking forward to getting them back together again at some point. Uh, it just might not be as soon as I'd like. And the final question, which we touched at least on half of it, what was the collaboration like between you and the artist when designing the new Batgirl costume and Batgirl pod? Um, well, like we talked about, it was uh, for the costume specifically, it was lots of back and forth between Lee and Mike Siglane, who was our, who was our editor. Um, and, uh, and myself and it's, and we totally like what's awesome is we've got an action figure for Steph coming out in, uh, in August. So none of us has ever been associated with an action figure before. So it's very exciting. Um, so we did lots of back and forth. We, you know, kind of were inspired by, uh, by the ultimates costumes and Yvonne Craig and the spoiler outfit, trying to find a way to smash all of those into the same box and see what came out. Um, and then practically a little known thing about Steph's costume, cause her cape never flips up is that, Beneath her cape, along her spine, Babs has extra armor um, protecting her protecting wow. her spine. So yeah. that's just one of those little little Babs touches. Yeah, I would say so, yeah. Um, that is pretty interesting. Yeah, so just because she's, she's looking out for stuff. So. Yeah. Um, and, and then with the, with the ricochet, with her, with her little bat pod, um, which some people have uh, neutral feelings towards and some people think is terribly ugly, um, I'll take full credit on that because... Um, it came from my brain. So uh, I did a very crude 2D Photoshop version of what I wanted it to look like, and then Lee put it into this CAD design system and made this three-dimensional thing. It's really awesome. Um, so so it's, the germ for that came came from me, and then Lee, Lee gave it life. Well, um, you know, this is sort of the end. I, I'm so glad that you trusted I had no nefarious purposes, and, and I tried to contact you. And you seem shifty, I'm, but it, it all worked oh out. Yeah, I was so concerned, but I'm so very grateful that you agreed to come on my show and you took time out of your, I know, hectic schedule. So oh, thank no, you so thank, much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me very much. And you know, uh, anytime, just just give me a heads up, and then we'll 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 try and squeeze well, did, it. I yeah, I feel like there might. Thank you very much for, for having me on. I appreciate yeah, it. And thanks. I feel like there might need to be a follow-up with this Valentine's Day issue if it's as intense as it sounds. So Let's just say if, if you like it, then yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I, I wish you all the luck, and I'm sure all everyone listening does as well as you continue back roll and definitely wrap up Smallville. I know that's crazy, too. Uh, no, it's 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 a really crazy time, but it's you know it's it's all good stuff. So um, hopefully everyone's everyone's loving what what we're all doing. So it's a great job to have. Okay. Once again, and I really don't think I can say this enough. I would really like to thank Mr. Brian Q. Miller for coming on my show. He was my first celebrity guest, and yes, I really do think that he is a celebrity with all the wonderful things that he's doing for Batgirl, and let's not forget Smallville, of course. And I think it was such a fitting first that I had. And he was such a gracious guy. He was very nice. And I'm just very thankful that he took time out of his really hectic schedule to come on. Hopefully this is the first interview of many. And I certainly would like to see Mr. Miller on again to talk about that girl, her year two, I suppose. And see, you know, how Stephanie goes along. So hopefully next July I can talk to him again. You know, it's been 10 episodes. I never thought, you know, December 2009, even earlier when I was joking about this, that I would get to 10. And I really need to thank all of you listeners, really, and and people who write in and my friends who were really supportive. uh, People like Michael Bailey, who really helped me out and get a foothold uh, into all the, the techie stuff that I had to do. For guests that have come on, Mr. George Berryman and Kevin Cushing, 
for Noctis for setting up the message board where, you know, 34 people, we come and we hang out and we talk about maybe the DC Universe, maybe Batgirl, maybe not. For people like Zayas who write wonderful reviews. The one thing I think that I was most pleasantly surprised about in this whole podcasting experience is all of the great people that I've met. You know, I have made really great friends. I have a, you know, a friend in the UK, a friend over in San Diego, just wonderful people who go out of your way to send you things. Someone from Chicago also sent me things. Um, Pennsylvania. Thank you to all of you. You've been very giving, very gracious. And really, the point of this podcast is not only to get to know Barbara Gordon, but to hopefully entertain you and I hope that you're learning as much as I am and when that stops happening then obviously this this podcast has no purpose so I hope that it continues on and I hope that you guys keep enjoying it so really from the bottom of my heart thank you so much and until next time fly on Babs lovers just plain Barbara Gordon masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Batgirl! Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you?